and when we're not getting it, we're, we're constantly searching. So it's as if our, our neurons are little people running around trying to find something to do. Mission is not just a Dutch thing. I'm Maria Bruce Peterson. I'm Johanna Kinnock. And this is the Vibe Podcast, where we invite exciting people to guide you through the big questions of today. So there's a painting by Edward Hopper that I've kept bumping into during quarantine. Um, and it's called Morning Sun. And it's of a woman sitting on her bed in a ray of sunshine, just looking out the window. It's from 1952. And when I look at it, I kind of wonder, when was the last time I just sat? No phone, no podcast, no nothing. And I realized I actually have no idea. Me neither. I find it very hard to just sit and do nothing. If I have a quiet moment to myself, my eyes, they always wander to my phone. But during quarantine, there's been quite a lot of talk about doing nothing and how it can be good for you. So for this episode of the podcast, we decided to investigate what potential lies in being bored. We color coordinate pearls, we talk to a woman who's written an entire book about doing nothing, and we interview a busy boredom professor. So Johanna, how do you feel about being bored? I feel like that's a loaded question. You know I hate being bored. I do, I do. It's the worst. It's just so boring. So it's not your favorite thing? It's not my favorite thing, and I think that It frustrates me that whenever you say that you've been bored, people always have to come up with some kind of like consolation or like there's this expression in Danish, which is like, oh, it's healthy to be bored or there always has to be like some kind of purpose behind it. Or um, it's like it's an uncomfortable topic for people if someone's bored because it's I don't know, it suggests that they don't they can't think of anything to do when actually it can be just a very frustrating feeling of lethargy and um restlessness so you're not gonna like what i have in store for you okay come through come at me i came across an experiment from 2014 where two boredom researchers in england in the uk had researched how doing boring tedious tasks would affect creativity Mm -hmm. and it turned out that The participants in the study who did the boring task of copying phone numbers from a book onto a sheet of paper actually performed better in the creative task they were tasked with afterwards. So if you do boring stuff for a while, you get more creative afterwards? Yeah, because your mind starts to wander. Okay, so it's like daydreaming type thing. So in my house, we have a big batch of pearls in all different colors, teeny tiny pearls and... I was thinking you could just sit around and sort them, color coordinate them. I would love to do that. Aren't you so happy that you have a reason to pass on that task? I am very happy I don't have to do it. Okay, okay, I'll do that tomorrow. Two hours of boredom, one hour of creativity. Go. That's the sound of me sorting hundreds of tiny little pearls into tiny little containers. First off, I'm very focused on the task at hand and on the pearls themselves. Maria better make me a damn bracelet out of these pearls after this. Can spend the next couple of hours thinking about what colors I want. I think maybe the mint green, that seems like a fashionable one. Then my mind starts to wonder, 
boxes of beauty products. Remember that film Click about like Adam Sandler, this thing called boredom torture? Sleeping apps. You know, it's meditation, right? I don't think I'd make a very good yogi. I think it's called serotonin. Who gave her a license for this? You get the idea. I go on like that for about an hour. It's like I'm avoiding boredom by blabbering at all costs. When I listen back to it now, I'm like, oh my God, can you just shut up for one second, please? Then I sort of ran out of thoughts, or at least the thoughts I did start were drifting through my head in a different way, more discreetly. For the next hour or so, I'm just sorting the pearls in silence. I don't know how long it's been, but I'm genuinely all out of hot takes. I'm just mind-numbly sorting and sorting through these pearls. And by the time the alarm went off, I wasn't even thinking that much about it. <clears throat> so now I have to do something creative. And I wonder what that should be. I think maybe I should try writing something, something fictional. Not that anyone will ever be made to read it, I promise. Just calling to let you know that I did your boredom experiment. I I'm so glad. How did it go? Um, yeah, it was good. It was very boring, very tedious. Did you feel more creative than you usually do? I think I felt more creative in a more uh, pleasant, calm way where I was actually looking forward to, to, to just doing a bit of random writing as opposed to trying to fit it in. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. One thing is, you know, not making time for being bored but another thing is making time for being creative so that's something that I definitely want to want to try and 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 prioritize a bit more after I completed my very scientific experiment I got Sandy Mann on the phone she's the British psychology professor who conducted the actual experiment back in 2014 hello Sandy Mann hello hi hello oh hello sorry hello (laughs) hello this is Johanna from Fake Media (laughs) Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm um, looking at the weather admiringly and planning to go for a, a walk and enjoy the sunshine. Oh, that sounds nice. It sounds like you've been quite busy uh, for the fa- past few oh, weeks. It's, yeah, I mean, I'm mad busy. Uh, I mean, the boredom stuff has really taken off over lockdown, which is which is really good. I hope it translates into some sales. You all mention my book, won't you? Yeah, of course. What's it called again? <laughs> it's called The Science of Boredom, Why Boredom is Good. So are you finding time to be bored then? No, I have no time to be bored and um, I'm a little bit envious of these people who say they're bored. But um, what I am doing is taking a leaf out of my own book and having lots of downtime, which is hence where the walking comes in. So that's your way of kind of uh, tapping out? Yeah, because what, what I'm, my whole thing about boredom is it's, it's about letting your mind wander and um, I'm having that time. Yeah, it's really important to me. So what yeah. sparked your interest in boredom personally? So uh, my interest in boredom started with my doctoral research when I started to look at the whole uh, uh, arena of emotions. I was very interested in emotions, particularly in the workplace. And what I was really interested in was those emotions that we hide or suppress and those emotions that we fake. So it's a whole thing about emotion management. And I found that boredom was the second most commonly suppressed emotion. 
so that's how I got into it all. What's the most suppressed emotion? Uh, I, I was wondering if you are going to ask that. Yeah, I, I have to, to, I have to know. <laughs> um, what do you think? Um, anger. Yeah, wow, you're good. Yeah, thanks. You're really good at this, yeah. So anger is the most commonly suppressed emotion, and I did a lot of work on that, and I wrote a couple of books on anger, did a lot of research. Uh, and then I thought, well, you know, anger, it's everybody's looking at anger, and, it, it, you know, it didn't feel very sort of new and novel. I didn't feel I had much of a contribution to make. And then I looked at the next emotion, which was boredom. I thought, hmm, that sounds really interesting. And when I started to research boredom, I just got fascinated with it. And what's really interesting about boredom is how interested everybody is in it. It's a sort of emotion that I think until 20 years ago, when I started to research it and one or two others in the, in the world, nobody really gave much thought to. It was just kind of there. But, um, you know, I, now it's it's something that people are very interested in, especially during lockdown. Mm. And um, I'm probably regarded as the world, one of the few world's experts on boredom, whereas other emotions, you know, there's a much more crowded marketplace. Yeah, and, and I mean, everyone uses the term boredom all the time, but it seems like it's sort of underdefined for a lot of people at the same time. So what what is boredom, if you had to describe yeah, it? Yeah, so briefly? boredom, people, yeah, whenever I ask, I mean, I lecture all over the world, or I did do pre-lockdown in the old days. Mm. Um, and when I'd ask people, um, you know, does anyone know what boredom is and what does it feel like? You know, everybody knows. Everybody knows what it is, or most people do. There's always that one person that puts their hand up and says, no, I'm never bored. But everybody knows what it feels like. Um, and most people say it's having nothing to do, but that's not really strictly accurate. It's not having nothing to do. It's having nothing to do that appeals to us at that time. And that's a big difference because there's lots and lots to do. And in fact, in today's world, we've got the world at our fingertips and we really shouldn't even know what boredom is. You know, there's never the, really the, actually nothing to do. Correct. Unless you're actually in social, uh, sorry, an actual sensory deprivation situation. So even in lockdown, most of us have access to lots and lots of things to do. We're, we're not really sensory deprived. But unless you're locked up in a sensory deprived room, which I have done to um, participants in research, I've got them into a sensory deprivation room complete lockdown, real lockdown. Mm. But unless you're actually doing that, there is, is always something to do. And that's the key. The point is, it's nothing, there's nothing to do that appeals at that time. So boredom is a negative emotion. And it's that feeling we get when we're searching for stimulation, but we're not satisfied. So it's that dissatisfied, frustrating feeling. And what's actually happening in our brains when we're bored? We're, in our, our brains are, we're firing all these neurons, desperately searching for an optimal optimal level of neural stimulation. And when we're not getting it, we're, we're, we're constantly searching. So it's as if our, our neurons are little people running around trying to find something to do and not finding it and feel, feeling frustrated. So that sounds really unpleasant, but your research is positing that boredom isn't only a negative thing. So it is a, the whole point is, that you're right, it's that unpleasant feeling and it has to be an unpleasant feeling. So the, the, the emotion is unpleasant, but the consequences can be positive. And that's the, that's the, the paradox, really, of boredom. It's a negative emotion that's very motivating and very positive. And, and the reason for that is because of what we do when we're searching for, for that neural stimulation. If we do things that are positive, then that is putting that emotion to positive use. So if we do things that are negative and destructive, then obviously it's a negative emotion. Mm. So some people eat more, drink more, commit acts of vandalism, whatever negative things that we do. And those are obviously negative outcomes. 
But other people will feel that boredom and think, hey, I need to do something differently. I'm going to take up a new hobby. I'm going to learn a new language. I'm going to change my job, change my life, write a book. And those are positive outcomes. And that's the whole point that we, we, we need to stress the positive outcomes. So what might be the reason? I mean, there can be thousands of reasons why someone chooses the positive or the negative kind of post-boredom actions. Is that something that you look into as well? I don't think it's something that we have much conscious choice over, and that's what I'm trying to change, that we that we, we become more aware of it and we look for positive opportunities. And I think it's a lot of, it is a lot about opportunity and what you've got access to. So if you are uh, in a very deprived area and you don't have access to the same things that somebody who's a little bit more wealthy has access to, then it is harder to find things to unbore yourself. But the key that I'm trying to really stress is that we need to allow our minds to free and our minds to wonder in order to tap into the creativity that is associated with real boredom because when we're really bored our minds will try and create something to unbore ourselves and that's when it doesn't matter what resources you've got that's when your creativity can create and unbore yourself in a more positive way so that's when daydreaming becomes a good thing yeah so my research shows that when we're bored we daydream and our minds wonder and that can lead us to being more creative and this is the real key and that's because if we're really bored and we can't find a way externally to unbore ourselves if we let our minds do it our minds will come up with the answer and our brains will go on journeys and without the conscious inhibition of daytime thinking or real life thinking once we're daydreaming we lose that slight conscious we slightly lose that conscious inhibition and we can come up with all sorts of creative solutions. And my, my research showed that we're actually more creative after a period of boredom. So it doesn't matter what resources you've got to hand, your brain will find things, creative things to do if you allow it to. So do you think that we're getting worse at being bored because we're not giving oh, ourselves yeah. that extra time to, to reach that point? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the real problem is that we are relying on the our devices to unbore ourselves so we swipe we're trying to swipe and scroll the boredom away and that is not working if it was working we shouldn't we wouldn't know what boredom was anymore you know boredom would be an evolutionary relic of our past and we'd tell our kids oh do you know i remember in the old days when we used to have boredom and they'd say what's boredom but that doesn't happen because it's not working and in fact the opposite is happening the more we try and swipe and scroll our boredom away the more bored we become. And that's because... Yeah, we get bored of more things, right? We need a higher... I, I imagine we need a higher level of stimulus. Correct. And that's because the more stimulation we get, the more we need, because we get a dopamine hit in our brains. You asked me before what, the brain, what happens in your brain. We get a dopamine hit from novelty and fast-paced and fast-moving stimuli. But dopamine is a very addictive chemical. And the more we have, the more we get, the more we need. And we need more and more stimulation to get that same hit. So the more stimulation we get, the more we need and the, the lower our tolerance is for boredom. So in order to overcome that, we need to turn it on its head and stop trying to swipe and scroll our boredom away and relying on our own brains to unbore ourselves and therefore we'll raise our threshold for boredom and become less bored. I told Sandy that I'd done her experiment and how I'd been really restless and really bad at being bored for the first hour before getting the hang of daydreaming. Is there something about boredom where you have to kind of push past a point? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is really interesting that you did that. So I did something similar with uh, participants in uh, the University of Central Lancashire where we got them into a 
soundproof room without any stimulation at all. They had to leave their phones behind. There was nothing to look at, nothing to see, nothing to hear. So they didn't even have your lovely pearls to sort. <laughs> and they had to just stare into space. And obviously we couldn't keep them locked in there. We're not allowed to do that ethically anymore. Uh, those days are well gone. So we, we obviously had to let them out if they wanted to. And a lot of people found it really painful and banged on or demanded to be let out. We had to let them run away. But those people who managed to work through that pain barrier said that exactly what you're saying, that at first it was really frustrating and stressful. And, and that stress is quite tiring. But if they worked through that, they'd get into a kind of zone where they'd feel really relaxed and at peace. And some people likened it to a warm bath or having respite from the world. So it is getting through that pain barrier. You know, me and Maria, my co-host, came into this from quite different angles. I, I really avoid being bored quite vehemently. And she sort of doesn't mind it as much. Do you think there's like a natural level at which people are more or less inclined to be able to be bored? Definitely. So it depends on what your optimal level of stimulation is. And we're always trying to, our brains are always trying to reach our optimal level of stimulation. Uh, if we have too much stimulation above whatever that level is, then we feel overwhelmed. And if we have too little, then we feel bored. But some people obviously will have different levels of that. And some people will be able to tolerate what we call boredom more because they've lowered their threshold and they're able to find interesting things in, in, in a low stimulant situation. So you can have two people waiting in a queue to um, get into your favourite, it used to be a queue at the till, but now it's a queue to get into your favourite supermarket. And you could have one person gets their phone out and they're swiping and scrolling and they're getting frustrated and irritated. And somebody else who's just happy to watch the clouds and the leaves fall or whatever because they're used to lower levels of stimulation. Yeah, because I, I think there's this idea that if you're bored, you must be a boring person. <laughs> yes, I get that a lot. I get a lot of people saying that, oh, I'm not, I'm not bored, I'm not boring. There's actually a huge difference between being bored and a boring person. <laughs> and I can illustrate that by telling you all about the Dull Men's Club. Have you heard of that? No, what's that? It's wonderful. It's a club that was founded in America and it has followings all, followers all over the world. It is made up mainly of dull men, but there are dull women too. But it tends to be the men who have these very mundane hobbies like train spotting and plane spotting and <laughs> collecting pictures of drains and post boxes and telegraph poles and things like that. Mm. And the, the idea is that they, they make fun of themselves because these hobbies are seen to be so boring. But the reality is that they actually find something interesting in the mundane um, going back to your issue about boring people, you'd think these people would be really boring. But I've met with them loads of times now. We've done conferences together. I'm, a, I'm an honorary member, by the way, of this <laughs> which I'm very proud about. Have you taken up and, any of the uh, hobbies? I actually do have um, a hobby that, that qualified me, but I qualified because of my research. But I do have a hobby, um, which I will share with you, but don't tell anyone. Okay. Uh, I collect old Victorian glass bottles. <laughs> and they're beautiful, like... Milk bottles or soda bottles are beautiful. But anyway, but the point is, it's something that's seen as quite mundane, quite dull, quite boring. But there's beauty in that. There's beauty in different post boxes and different drain covers and roundabouts. Well, yeah, I guess if you are able to just daydream and, and be by yourself, that makes you, in a way, a more interesting person. Exactly. That's exactly it. Because you're able to find something interesting in almost any situation. My, my, my issue with, with boredom, though, in general, has sometimes been that, um, you know, rather with, with them boredom itself, it's that thing of if you say to someone, oh, I was kind of bored yesterday, they always have to say, 
uh oh you should have done this or you can do this to unbore yourself it's like and and I kind of worry that your thing about how boredom can fuel creativity can add to that idea that there has to be a point to boredom or a way out or something like that Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a bit like my kids coming to me or over the years saying I'm bored, and I think, great, that's fantastic. Uh, they stopped coming to me complaining they were bored after that. So, yeah, it is, it's just seeing boredom as a point in itself. So it doesn't have to be seeing boredom as a productive thing. It's just the, the, the whole process of being bored is the point. Does mm. that make it different? So you know, even if I didn't about... do anything creative afterwards, it was Absolutely. still fine. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. In fact, you've raised a really good point. It isn't about saying, right, I'm going to go for a walk and and let my mind wander and then come back and do something creative because that is complete opposite of what we want boredom to do. You know, boredom isn't about a purpose. But the whole point is incorporate it into your life so that you have these periods of downtime, irrespective of whether you need to be creative or want to be creative, and just let it happen. But don't force it. Don't try and be more creative it will just come naturally you'll just start mind wandering and daydreaming and thinking oh what if I did this what if I did that and even if you don't you'll enjoy the process it's quite a nice respite from the pressures of the real world so what should I say to my friend next time she comes to me and says oh I was so bored yesterday and she complains about it you should be saying to her that's great that you were bored enjoy that feeling of boredom well done. Pat on the back. I wish I was as bored as you. <laughs> yeah, keep chilling. I mean, in all seriousness, there, there is a balance. So it's a balance between having the right amount of boredom in your life. So a full day of boredom, day after day, is a problem. A couple of hours a day or an hour a day of boredom is a positive. So it is get, about getting that balance. Yeah, it's interesting because society here has kind of opened up now uh, and everyone's just running around everywhere. And I've heard a lot of people sort of complaining that they, they sort of miss they miss being bored. Yeah, I, I must say that I have loved and I'm still loving the downtime and the slower pace of life. And the chance I've got, I said to you at the beginning, I'm going to hopefully go for a walk shortly, that I can do that in the middle of the day and let my mind wander. I don't want to lose that. And I think there's certain elements of life in lockdown that we want to retain or we should want to retain. And I don't think we should be looking to go back to the busy, busy life that we were before. I mean, the fact that I've had so much interest in my boredom book, The Science of Boredom, over the past 10 weeks or so, uh, demonstrates how we've suddenly let boredom into our lives. And I've been banging on about this for 20 years. And now is our chance to do it. Let's not lose it. Let's not lose that advantage. Yeah. And I guess just taking boredom seriously as a feeling for the for the first time, really. Yeah. But also seeing it as something positive and turning it around, because that's what I've always been about. It's not always negative. Let's take the positive and build on that. You know what? I think this period of lockdown could could turn out to be the most creative period in the history of mankind. Oh, wow. Yeah, we can see it. I mean, you see stuff on, on the internet, amazing things people are doing and creative ideas and solutions to problems. And it's, it's incredible, the creativity that's there being unleashed. It's exciting to see. And do you have faith that we're going to uh, hold on to some of this uh, appreciation of boredom rather than going straight back to our dopamine hits? I think I think we should, if we've got to learn anything from this, I think we need to learn that we can cope with a little bit of slower pace of life, a little bit more downtime, a little bit more me time, if you like, yeah. Okay, great. Thank you so much for chatting today. No problem, and uh, enjoy your boredom. <laughs> Cheers, thanks. <laughs> Thank you.
in the Netherlands, they actually have a word for doing nothing without a purpose. It's called Nixon, and last year it became this new big relaxation trend. I called up Olga Mekking, a Polish journalist living and working in the Netherlands, whose new book, Nixon, Embracing the Dutch Art of Doing Nothing, is just out. How are you today? Last year, Olga wrote the article The Case for Doing Nothing in the New York Times, in which she explains how you can do Nixon and why it's good for you. And the article started somewhat of a Nixon trend online. She'll get more into that later. But first, what is Nixon actually? So Nixon is a Dutch word and it means doing nothing. And I find it very convenient that it's that there there is a Dutch term that there's a one word for something that in other languages would require two or three or even more words. And um, I also found Nixon was pretty easy to pronounce to, to non-Dutch people. So that make it really made it really uh, attractive, I think. And so Nixon, or doing nothing, is the way I define it in a book, is um, it's doing nothing without a purpose. So I think we've gone too much in the direction of we have to do something because it's good for us or because it will yield some results. Whereas Nixon is just being there and doing nothing just because or because it feels nice. Yeah, I think that a lot of us are struggling to do things that have no purpose. Yes, I agree. So what's the difference between doing Nixon and being bored? So there are many definitions of, of Nixon. You could, you could, you know, say, okay, Nixon is a little bit like being bored. The way I described it in the book is that there is, boredom and Nixon are two different things. And for me, Nixon is doing nothing without a reason, without a purpose. And but being bored is um, for me, and the way I define it, it's um, doing something where you'd be rather doing something else. And that's why I'm never bored when I when I do nothing. But I'm usually bored when I clean. So reading your piece on how to do nothing, it was also about how doing nothing is actually good for us. And I'm thinking, if I know that doing nothing is good for me, and I set out to do nothing more to do more nixon am i not mm. still doing it with a purpose well you could of course say that um i think it's about the the mindset that you have behind it and the the, the reason you're doing it so for example take something else my brother runs marathon yeah right and he says if i'm running because i'm preparing for a marathon that's That wouldn't be Nixon. Of course, running is not Nixon, but that wouldn't be the Nixon mindset when you do something just because it's fun or just because or because you feel like it. And he said, but if I'm running just because it feels good or I just feel like it or it feels nice and, and I like running, then that's a Nixon mindset. So most of us live busy lives. We have jobs, hobbies, friends to see, things to do. And I wanted to know how we can actually make more time for Nixon. Nixon doesn't have to be this big thing. Like, um, for example, when you go, you know, when you when you want to exercise, and you think, oh, maybe I need to sign up for this yoga class, or you have, I have to sign up for this class, or I have to do something, and that's an hour or two of my time because I have to get there and and then clean and you know um, change, and then I have to get home and take a shower, and that's so much time. 
But with Nixon, it's okay. It was just two minutes here, three minutes there, five minutes here. It's just very, you know, sometimes it's so small that I think people tell me they're not doing nothing. They're always busy. But I think we all have those little moments where we actually just do nothing. We just may not notice them because they're so small. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these sort of more, more modern wellness trends are also very labor intensive. And I feel like people are starting to be fed up with yet another trend on how to improve yourself that is both time consuming and expensive. Exactly. And I think this is why, uh, maybe one of the reasons why the, why Nixon went, when my article went viral, because it told people, hey, I say it's okay to do nothing. You don't have to improve yourself all the time. So how much is Nixon a new thing that we need to learn? And how much is Nixon something that already exists within our culture? I think it's it's both. Because uh, when I looked at, um, when I looked like at, at other countries and languages, and you know, I'm a linguist by education, so I'm really fascinated by, by language. And I speak five languages myself. Oh, wow. And then I looked at other cultures, and I, I realized that almost every country culture language has some concept of maybe doing nothing, or having some downtime, or um, relaxing, and it's shown in a positive way. So it's not always that doing nothing is bad for us. So for example, in Italy, they have this idea of uh, dolce far niente, which is sweet doing nothing. And even in English, you can say doing sweet, sweet nothing. So when writing this book, what was the most interesting thing you found? Um, yeah, so <laughs> the, the most interesting thing is how how those, all those cultures had, you know, some idea about doing nothing and how it was good for you. And when I looked, and then I interviewed um, a neurologist called Marcus Weichel, and he discovered that we have a special network in our brains that only lit up in the fMRI machine when we did nothing. And that made me realize that Nixon is not just a Dutch thing, it's normal and it's natural and we all have the capacity for it. But I think Nixon, um, because there are so many expressions about it and we have this special network for it. I think that's more of a human thing rather than a Dutch thing. So one thing is knowing that we all have the capacity to do nothing, but another thing is actually doing it. Luckily, Olga had some tips on that. Depending on what kind of person you are, you can schedule it or you can look around for Nixon opportunities. You can um, maybe set up some places in your home that would make it easier for you to do nothing. And there are, you know, comfy chairs and armchairs. And another thing you can do is to um, have a place when you leave your phone so it's not always in your uh, in your reach. I think if, if your phone is in your reach, then you're going to want to grab it. <laughs> but if it's, uh, if it's, you know... In, in a basket somewhere and you don't have easy access to it, then the temptation to grab your phone and go will be much less. Okay, so keep the phone out of reach and sit somewhere that's nice and that's a good place for just being. Yeah, I think so. That I was actually surprised how much the environment um, affects the way we work and uh, relax. But it, it's true. <laughs> it, it does have a big, big, big effect. Thank you so much for for joining the podcast. <laughs> Thank you.
thank you so much for having me on the on the podcast. It's been great to talk to you. All right, take care, Olga. So, did becoming pros at boredom make us more wholesome, creative, and interesting people? Well, yes, yes, it did. And if you have any sort of doubt, just listen to the creative output of the pearl sorting experiment from earlier. Yeah, what did you write in your assignment? Um, I wrote a little bit of fiction about different stuff and about my uh, my weekend and stuff. And then I wrote a little poem. Oh, read it to me. Uh, and each day the bubbles trapped inside the glass multiplied and she got more tired of being alone. So she poured it onto a plant. Oh, that's very nice. A little... <laughs> A bit about being bored. Yeah, it's topical. (laughs) You've been listening to The Five Podcast, where we tackle some of the big questions of today. The podcast is brought to you by Five Media, a new global media platform that aims to change the conversation through quality journalism. Go to fivemedia.com for more Five content and subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode. New episodes are out every second Friday. See you there. Bye. Bye.